Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Welcome, everybody, to Cover Story. I'm your host for today, Gian Wei, Focus Product Manager uh, for PR Web. And uh, today I'm joined by Todd Deffrin. Um, Todd, how are you doing? Doing well, Gian. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna, Todd works in high-tech public relations for approximately 15 years. He's been in this field. Um, he specializes in social media strategies, is widely noted for creating the first social media templates for news releases and online newsrooms. Um, Todd is also known for his work on the PR Squared blog. Uh, and he has served as a visiting professor at Emerson College in Boston, lecturing on marketing and public relations on the Internet. In 2006, Defren was named a research fellow and member of the advisory board of the Society for New Communications Research. So, Todd, how's everything going? It's going well, and that all sounded so impressive when someone else said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's going well, thank you. That's, that's great. What, what are you guys working on now? What's new? What's, 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 the, what's the hot topic for this month? Well, I mean, uh, for this month, it's the election of a new president. Obviously, that's a big deal, and it's hard to get anyone focused on much else. Um, Dealing with the recession, which we all have to deal with, um, both as an industry and as a citizen, um, that's something that we talk about a lot. In terms of um, PR and social media and our agency specifically, um, Mm -hmm. working with a lot more social media projects with a lot uh, of bigger and bigger consumer brands, which is... um, been really exciting for us. Now, as far as social media integration into into PR, you know, I think probably you probably correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe two three years ago it was something that was a little bit more experimental. I think sure. now when you look at the Fortune 1000, um, I, I think the majority I would say the majority uh, have some sort of social media strategy in play, uh, whether or not they're executing on it or whether right. how how much it's integ- how it, well, it's integrated. I, don't, I can't speak to that, but right. I mean, do you think at this point, where when we talk about social media as, as being part of a marketing PR strategy, it's it's like everyone is is doing it at this point? I think uh, there are a lot of wet toes in corporate America. You know, everyone's dipping a toe into the water to see what makes sense for them. And there are some clients, <clears throat> even large name brand clients, who have arguably um, experimented almost too much. They've tried a little bit of everything to an extent where. Um, they're widely known for those experimentations, but um, the reality in terms of ROI is that um, they could probably do half as many things with social media and be more effective, and they're, and they're learning those lessons. And then not, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, there are clients who literally are still asking us, if not what is a blog, I think they know that, but should we blog and who should blog and how often should we blog? So there's still a lot of basic questions that are being um, talked about at that level too. So let's just do a a, a quick role play. I mean, you brought something up. I'm kind of curious about. Let's say, um, Fortune 500 company. I've heard of heard of you guys. I've seen your social media release template, and um, I call you guys up and I'm, I say, listen, you know, 
we we want to get involved with blogging. Should we build should we build a blog? How do you address that? Well, I'm a big believer in content marketing. And by that I mean uh, blogging certainly is something that falls into the content marketing bucket. But my, my basic premise and the thing I've been talking about a lot with clients and on my blog is the idea that uh, public relations, marketing, social media, whatever you want to call it, really what uh, we're talking about is communicating back and forth with other people and in the course of that, making sure that we're very findable so that they find us to talk to us in the first place. And as they find us, they learn more and more about us. And that comes down to content, whether it's in the form of videos on YouTube, of a product manager giving a demo of your new product, to photos of your company outing, to um, a blog where you're talking day in, day out about the uh, industry that you're in and the products that you sell and what's going on with the competition. All of these things are uh, content. So, again, if it's a social media release or a blog or some other variation, um, I, I tell all clients of all sizes that that's something they should be thinking about. So content marketing is the, the general approach, and then within content marketing, things like blogs, social networks, right. are, these are yep. channels we're talking about. Yeah, essentially. Ways. How is this different from a search engine optimization strategy of just you know, putting content together and getting it into places where it's, where it's easily found? I think it's uh, complementary and... Um, you know, tied together. I mean, there's, you almost can't have one without the other. If, mm-hmm. if all you are thinking about in terms of SEO is making sure that you have the right keywords in the right places on your website, you're losing a major opportunity not only to um, drive more traffic through the use of social media and through content, but also to participate where people live. You know, if, it's, uh, if you sell widgets and someone happens to do a Google search on widgets, you don't want them to only find your website. Um, while that might be ideal, it's just one place where they find you. It would be better if they found you there and if they found out that you had a blog about widgets and if they found a Flickr tag um, about widgets in which you seem to be heavily represented, if they find a YouTube channel about widgets. And I don't mean you know, Web 2.0 widgets, widgets right. just as a generic term. Right. Um, so they, you know, and these are all places where they're already hanging out. Right? They're already in YouTube and Flickr and all these other places. Mm-hmm. So by dispersing your content, you're not only making sure people might find you where they're already hanging out, but you're making sure that your overall SEO is improved. So, I mean, just listening to what you're saying, could you, could you say the difference is when you're thinking purely about search, you're thinking about uh, getting your content into places where people are likely to, to, to retrieve it if they're running queries, whereas social media... You know, they could just be engaging in, in other ways. It's not all about search and retrieval, but you have to get your content there, too, to make it right. more likely to, yeah. to be found. Okay. And the term that I use is, is, you know, Google is obviously kind of like the all-important engine out there. Mm-hmm. But I don't talk about it just in terms of SEO. With clients, I, I try and talk about it in terms of something broader, and we, just, we call it findability. How easily are you found in the places where people are most likely to expect to find you? Right, Google is obviously a huge part of that, but there's other ways right. you can be found, and you know a big part of that is participation um, as well as the content stuff. So, can you can we get more specific? Can you talk about uh, an anecdote um, where you actually help someone from a social media perspective get found, and maybe get more specific about the channels you worked with? I mean, I, I don't know if you can talk about clients, but you could just generically refer to one. Well, I mean, I can, I can certainly talk about one, for example, that was um, on my blog. Um, okay. We had a client that sells 
uh, a scanner, a small portable scanner. And for most of the relationship, we had that client for about two years before, uh, you know, and, and in, that, in that first two years, did a lot of work with things like sales and marketing magazine and business publications because a small portable scanner, the natural market for them was or seemed to be, you know, road warriors, people who were doing sales on the road. They'd, you know, go to a business lunch and then they'd run the receipt through the scanner on the front seat of their car and their, auto, their expense report would be automatically generated for them. Okay. So kind of a standard tech product. And then coincidentally, through some um, groundwork we had done with a reporter um, at PC Magazine or someplace like that, that reporter wound up going on to Martha Stewart Omnimedia. And um, we had been pitching her at the PC Magazine, but she wound up liking the pitch but taking it with her to Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart loved it. She loved the scanner and created and um, showed it on her show, and a YouTube video was created, and um, it became number, the number one selling item on Amazon for a day um, when that happened, which told us that there were opportunities for this client not only to get into sales and marketing management, but into um, mainstream magazines, sure. Home women's goods. magazines, yeah. and then more to the social media side. The mommy bloggers have um, been an increasingly potent force in uh, purchasing decisions and overall influence in the blogosphere. Mm-hmm. So we created content and contests and things of that nature to make sure that that specific sub-segment um, would find us more readily than they would have in the past when you know, they wouldn't look for a scanner necessarily, but they would look for ways to um, save their children's drawings or recipes or family finances. So yeah. rather than always doing SEO and content related to expense reports, it was around fi- family finances. And it turns out that um, one of the contests that we ran on three separate mommy blogger sites wound up um, resulting in uh, over 1,000 comments across just these three sites and over 80 ancillary blog posts that happened on other people's blogs, all of which resulted from that content slash SEO slash typical outreach type of strategy. And in the end, they had a thousand different ways that people would, uh, were willing to describe why and how and when they would use the scanner from an untapped, previously untapped market segment. Uh, this, is, this is kind of fascinating because it gets to, uh, to me, it gets to the issue of control. And uh, this, is the, uh, this is the opportunity, I think, that, that mm-hmm. exists in this loss of control that happens online. You know, you can't control the message necessarily. And Absolutely. This is, a, this is a positive spiral. Um, and right. they, they, this is a way that they find out about, you know, new, new segments, new con- customers. Yeah. Um, and it, who knows, it may even come to bear on their product. Maybe they start tailoring their product to these new segments because of Oh, absolutely. I can assure um, you that they th- they're thinking that way, yeah. Now, I, I think people, though, I think a lot, of, a lot of people have the tendency to look at the negative. And I'm wondering, what do you, what do you say to people who are, who, who are so fearful of this loss of control because they're, they're fearful that it will spiral in a negative direction? What do you say yeah. to them? Um, yeah, it comes up all the time, and my, my basic point is a simple one. The conversation is happening around you whether you like it or not. And whether it happens about your brand or about things happening in your industry, uh, you'll be noticeable by your absence when people do a search for your brand down the road and see all the things that um, may wind up being negative where your voice was not heard in response. So if you, meanwhile, if you do interact with bloggers, for example, and you do so on a regular 
basis in a respectful and responsive way. Um, even when things do go bad, and they invariably do at some point, uh, you know, things come and go in cycles. But if you have developed that relationship, you're going to be much more likely to emerge from it unscathed than a company that has decided to close off what is becoming an increasingly important channel of communication. You can't do a search on most major brands nowadays, on Google, for example, and not see some kind of blog show up in the first 10 or 20 search results, the organic search results, because Google loves fresh content. Google loves the blogs. And if you see something negative about a major brand and you don't see a response from that brand, Mm -hmm. you have to scratch your head and wonder, how much could they care about customers if they're not interacting directly with such a high-profile example of something they screwed up? So this is happening no matter what. Whether whether a company likes it or, or doesn't like it, it's going to happen, and the conversation is going to happen. So it's really up to them whether they want to become engaged in the conversation, and and the fear of them their engagement resulting in something negative is should be mitigated by virtue of the fact that if they do something negative, people are going to talk about it regardless. Right. But if they but if they are you know quote unquote already friendly with you, they're at least more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt. And and either way, whether you wind up screwing that up or not someone who does a search for your brand down the road or for a term that leads to your brand, you know, I tell clients if something bad happens um, and you have like a negative blog post where it's pretty clear that this is going to be high up on Google for a little while, the most important thing is to get within the first five or ten comments on that blog post so that anyone who finds it will see that you were listening, you were responsive, you were diplomatic, you tried to solve the problem. Fantastic. We are going to cut to a commercial break. Uh, when we get back, Todd, I'm going to ask you about the social media release. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. (laughs) We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. 
Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Cover Story. I'm your host, Gian Wei, Pure Web Product Manager. Uh, Brandy is not here today, uh, but we are joined by Todd Deffrin, Principal of Shift Communications. And uh, before we left for the commercial break, I mentioned we would be talking about the social media release, so that's what we're going to do now. And um, let's just start from the top, and I, I don't know if you're sick of talking about it, but... <laughs> but but uh, what is? Can you can you give us a brief synopsis of what is the social media release? I mean, I've I've sure. heard about it plenty of times, but I know it's still something that so many people are interested in hearing about. So, absolutely, no problem. Um, the social media release is essentially a way to both webify and socialize the news. You're going for, we're basically asking marketers and corporations to move from a 100 year old boring text only format to a realization that. You know, 99% of the interactions that you're going to care about in the future are going online. And if that's the case, why not take that same news and put it in a plain English format that anyone could find, not just a traditional journalist, and in finding realize that there's content within that release in the form of multimedia, you name it, that they could use for their own purposes um, because everyone is now a publisher. So it becomes more findable and more shareable and lastly more social in that it provides really an unprecedented opportunity for corporations to talk directly with stakeholders about their news in a public forum. So having comments, moderated comments about that news, as well as aggregating any outside um, news sources and blog posts about that news all in one spot. So it becomes almost like a hub of content around the news as opposed to uh, just a piece of content pitching about a certain story. Exactly. I mean, basically, I mean, the easiest way to think about it is that every news release es- essentially becomes a blog post with everything that you would normally associate with a blog post in terms of text and tags and multimedia content um, and comments and the aggregation of outside blog posts in the form of trackbacks. Now, you put together that first template. Uh, is that number one in Google if you search for social media release? You know what? I've not, I don't even know. I no? can do it right now while we're talking. Um, I'm sure it's pretty high up. Just just because for people who are interested in, uh, uh, it looks like it might be might be two or three. It's the second one. There is a there's a URL socialmediarelease.org. Socialmediarelease.org, which came about after the template, um, and it's a uh-huh. good place that kind of um, aggregates a lot of the information there. Um, but our PDF, which was the one that you know started it all, so to speak, is the second. If you just type in social media release. Got it. Okay, so in case anyone is interested in seeing what a format um, could look like for the social media release, you can type it in, and uh, that that PDF template is available um, on on Todd on your on your blog. Yep. Yeah, you can also visit so, my blog at prsquared.com. On at prsquared.com. It's uh, pr-squared.com. Pr-squared.com. Yep. So it's it's been a hot topic, and especially with us in the, in the news distribution service industry, uh, it's been right. a pretty hot topic. Um, we've had a lot of people asking, does the social media release then replace the press release? Well, again, um, 
one of the one of the things that's most exciting about the social media release and its evolution since it first came out back in 2006 is the fact that uh, lots of people have opinions about it. So this is just one guy's opinion. Um, okay. My my original opinion about the social media release when it came out was that yes, it it absolutely positively could be a replacement for the traditional press release in that all you're trying to do is uh, communicate information. You're just adding multimedia and other web-related technologies to that release when it's online. Um, and again, I, I'm I try to be unbiased when it comes to the wire services, but my essential take on it now is that the distribution methodologies of the various wire services are still hindered by some of the early technologies and early relationships and partnerships that um, they crafted when the web mm-hmm. was young. And mm-hmm. so distribution, if anything, is problematic, and if nothing else, is often expensive when you add a lot of the multimedia. Sure. So what I tend to tell clients nowadays, especially those on a limited budget, is that you should put out a traditional re- press release over the traditional wires, but be sure to include a hyperlink to the social media version of that release, which contains a lot of the same content um, in terms of the narrative and the text, but it also includes the ability to comment, the tagging, the content, et cetera, the multimedia content. So add a link to the traditional release on the traditional wire to the social media version in your own online newsroom. So if it's going to be the equivalent of a blog post or a news hub, that hub should be in your own newsroom. Interesting. So you people actually have to prepare. Well, I guess they don't really have to prepare, but they, they should they should have like the full version you're suggesting of the social media release available in a place where they can control the structured content. Right. Um, and they can put that press release out and then link to the social media release from right. that. Um, now, I, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, the issue is not necessarily... I think with a lot of this wire services, and while I'll speak from our, our perspective, PR Web, it's not necessarily with us allowing our customers to structure the content. A lot of it has to do with the downstream partners, and I think you alluded to yep, this earlier. Exactly. Yep. Um, there's a lot of issues associated with, you know, for them taking that structured content. They're very yep. good at taking text, but they're right. not really at a point where, and and, the, and they're actually pretty much at a point where they can take hyperlinks, but they're still, they're still moving towards a point where they can take images, uh, video, audio, and they can also retain the original quality and structure of that, of that content. Right. You're, that's exactly what the issues are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know, specifically, there was a point where Google News was actually blocking uh, certain releases that were coming through our service uh, that, were, that people were trying to orient them um, as social media releases. Google News was actually blocking them because, uh, according to their, their webmaster guidelines, that this was fragmented content uh, in, in their definition. Uh, that's a new one I made. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was about three, four months ago, and uh, we actually opened up a dialogue with them. And since then, we've been having a lot more, of, a lot more um, luck with getting getting these types of releases indexed. But for a while, that was also an issue. Right. Well, you know, just um, speaking to the overall direct downstream issue that we talked about, and to, let's you know, if you want to make it really tactical for our listeners, the um, let's think of a, a website like Market Watch, for example. Okay. which um, most PR people think is a pretty good hit, even if it is occasionally just a uh, press release pickup. But if um, a site like MarketWatch wants to add one of those save this types of functionalities, you know, like um, save this article or um, dig it or things like that, they want people to dig the MarketWatch article, not the news release, you know, in and of itself. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the tags and technologies that you might put in a social media release that you put out over a wire, the wire might put it out and have it flow downstream, but the downstream partners like at MarketWatch may decide we just really want the text. In terms of all the other cool stuff, right. we've got our own versions of those widgets. Got it. Um, changing tacts for a moment. Yeah. The economy, we, we started out by talking uh, about the economy. You mentioned that this was a really big issue, and I know a lot of corporations we work with, we work with you know, thousands of different companies out there, um, but a lot, of, a lot of corporations have this tendency to kind of pull back on, on their R&D front in different departments um, during tough econo- economic times. And uh, I'm wondering, are you, seeing, are you seeing more of a hesitance to become engaged with uh, some of these new communication technologies and practices because of the economy now? No, not at all. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite. No, really? I think I'm seeing some companies who mistakenly think that all that social media stuff should come cheaper. But, um, and so they're more than happy to um, explore what that means and whether it makes sense for them. Um, the reality is, though, that uh, participating in social media and especially doing things like blogger relations is actually exponentially more work for a typical PR agency because instead of the, you know, your top 50 reporters, you could have your top 5,000 bloggers. And those top 50 reporters didn't necessarily expect or even want to have a relationship with a PR person or even an in-house marketer. If you had news, let me know, and if I want to use it, I'll use it, and then come back again when you have news. Whereas the, you know, and there's only 50 of them. Then you've got, let's say, 500 different bloggers within an industry, and not only do they want to hear your news, but they also expect that you're going to maintain a relationship with them when you don't have news. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually a lot of time and effort. Um, and angst that goes into developing and maintaining those relationships um, throughout the different news cycles. Yet, um, having said that, a lot of companies still want to try their hand at that level of participation, um, whether it's cheap or not, um, in large part because I think more and more of them are recognizing they can't afford not to. If the, like I said earlier, if the conversation is happening around you, why wouldn't you want to be part of it? Is there a story to tell um, as far as ROI is concerned, kind of uh, positioning social media tactics as as a cost-efficient alternative to traditional forms of advertising? Well, traditional forms of advertising, I think, think is a no-brainer. If you can, Mm -hmm. first of all, when it comes to measurement, which has always been a tricky question in marketing overall and in PR in particular, my counsel to clients is I'll, I'll measure it however you want as long as you know how you want to measure it. And if it's in terms of if you can measure engagement, you can measure sales leads, you can measure revenue, you can measure you know, column inches, um, you can measure number of hits. What does that mean to you and why do you want to measure it and what are you going to do as a client to help your agency partner measure that stuff and track it, right? Um, we had a client, for example, we recently launched the product with them and one of the things that they specifically told us they wanted was new members. And it was a consumer service that really was relevant to almost anyone who used a cell phone, let's say. Okay. And in the course of a two-week campaign, they started out with 5,000 alpha users. And by the end of the campaign, they had 200,000 beta users. And that was just two weeks later. You know, but if they had told us, um, we only want to show up in XYZ magazines and you know, that was how they measured it. Well, we would have done our best 
obviously, to get into those magazines or blogs that they, that they cared most about. Sure. But they told us that they cared most about users. So we were looking for highly impactful places where lots of people would follow the crowd of um, whoever the writer was. So in this case, it was a cell phone-related service, and we went after Perez Hilton, the gossip blogger, okay. as well as TechCrunch with Michael Arrington. Both of those guys, among many others, wound up writing about this product. And you, if you know anything about both Michael Arrington and Perez Hilton, while they're on completely different sides of the spectrum in terms of their audiences, both of those audiences share a willingness to try out what their guru or favorite writer tells them to try out. Mm-hmm. And so we saw a huge spike as a result of just those two posts. And, I mean, I just know. And your ROI hand. was, look at all these new users you have. Right. The, the client did not come in and say, we want to be in top-tier blogs, right? They just said, right. do whatever it takes to get us more users. Got it. So I, so to get back to my initial question, there is there is that story to be told, but you know, there's almost a first question to be asked, and that's, you know, what is your real goal here? Is your goal to yep. get into top-tier publications, or is your goal to drive customers, to drive revenue? And if it's those things, then, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility in, in the channels you can use to get there. Right. And, you you know, it's kind of incumbent on the client and the agency to figure that out together. And as I kind of referenced earlier, if the client says, okay, we want want the PR program or social media relations program, whatever you call it, we want um, new users out of that, we need to go back to the client and say, okay, well, you know, here's the breadth of the campaign. Here's the timeline that we're going to go after. You guys need to keep track of your daily new usage or new user subscriptions and, and statistics to let us know what's working and what's not as we go. Got it. Got it. Well, we are coming to the end of our show here. It's about 2.33, and uh, I think we're going to have to wrap things up. Um, this has been Gian Wei from Vocus PR Web, and I've been joined today by Todd Defren, the principal of Shift Communications. If anyone wants to learn more about Todd or his company or his perspectives on social media, uh, they can visit pr-square.com. That's your blog, right, Todd? Yep. And if they want to learn more about your, your company, um, they can go to Shift Communications. Right, shiftcom.com. Shiftcom.com. Right. Well, thanks so much for joining us and uh, taking the time to tell us a little bit about your perspectives on social media. Um, Thank you, Gian. Been great. All right. And I guess I'll see you uh, in Boston. Are you going to be at this? Yes, sir. I'll see you at the uh, Society for New Communications Research Forum. Yeah. The Snicker Forum. Okay, great. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Take care.